Welcome to this special edition of the poem, the Parsha, the podcast. I'm Rivi. And I'm Adrian. And Adrian, what's going to be so special about this podcast? This is Ukraine week. It certainly is. And it's... The week before Purim. It's yes. Shabbat Zachor. Yes. Shabbat Zachor is coming up. And, yes. And uh, in the spirit of the Amalekites and the uh, Russians, we mm-hmm. will be talking about the horrors of war. Yes. By a Ukrainian poet. Yes. This is Ilya Kaminsky is a Ukrainian-American poet. Um, He was born in Soviet Odessa and emigrated to the U.S. in in the early 90s and settled in Rochester. And I don't know about you, but being from Pittsburgh, I always feel a connection with other people who spend their formative years in Rust Belt cities. Oh, absolutely. Um, and Those I, nondescript kind of places that are never going to be where everyone wants to move to. Yes, the shades of brown are comforting. Um, amber brown. Amber brown, rust brown, brown, oak brown. We've got it all. All the browns are in the Rust Belt. Um, so I, we have curated this poem... Because I think it's important that we acknowledge what is going on in the world and also acknowledge that we have this upcoming, this, this beautiful and yet still complicated upcoming Megillah coming at us. I think, I think we can acknowledge both and we can hold space for both. And I think what's really interesting is it is Parshat Zahor, which means mm-hmm. that we take another Torah out of the Ark. We do. And we read the section from Devarim about the commandment to remember Amalek and what they did to mm-hmm. us. Remember what Amalek did to you. And, and to me, Amalek is the quintessential bully. Of course. And right now, the world is suffering from another quintessential bully. Also, yes. And the Megillah is also a story of Haman. Yes. And... Another quintessential bully. Yes, there is definitely a sort of imperialist flavor, I think, that we're tracing both in, in all the worlds that we inhabit right now. And, and what does it even mean to contend with someone who is behaving irrationally and causing so much suffering? I, that, there, is no, there is no concise answer to that, no. I don't think. No, it's really fascinating. We had an expert this morning talking to our students, and one of the students said, but why is Putin doing this? And it's really hard to get inside of the mind of a Putin, a Haman, Amalek. Mm-hmm. It's as if they are attacking for the sake of attacking. Mm-hmm. They're demanding everyone must bow. Mm-hmm. I can only feel good and big if you feel small. Mm-hmm. If I make you feel small. Yes. All right, let's hear the poem. This is We Lived Happily During the War by Ilya Kaminsky. And when they bombed other people's houses, we protested, but not enough. We opposed them, but not enough. I was in my bed, around my bed, America was falling. Invisible house by invisible house by invisible house. I took a chair outside and watched the sun. In the sixth month of a disastrous reign, in the house of money, in the street of money, in the city of money, in the country of money, our great country of money, we, forgive us, lived happily during the war. Oh, it's, it is painful to hear this. Mm-hmm. And this idea that we are living happily mm-hmm. during a war. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of a war, 
and we care. We all care. Of course. And and yet we don't have the bombs falling around us, Mm-mm. and it feels very far away. It feels far away, and it feels like something that is also happening in the midst of carpool and making dinner and and commuting to work and um, all of the sort of everydayness that we do. It's sort of in there with that everydayness, in but in a way that is not disrupting our everydayness. Okay, gas prices are slightly higher. Fine. Um, that's it's not the same. Like we are not hiding in a subway station with our children, wondering if everybody we love has been blown to bits. And the hospital bombing, mm-hmm. the maternity mm-hmm. ward that that just pushed us over the edge. And I think the issue is if we were not to kind of put it back in a part of our brain, we would be frozen. We wouldn't yes. be able to function. Yes, I I had some. I had a I have a friend who is. Um, an immigrant from a country where there has been ongoing war. And I asked this person once, I was like, how do you live? How do you live with your whole family still back in a war? And they were like, well, I just have to live my life because if I don't keep going, I will stop. And I I thought that was, that was a very um, pointed and, and rich comment on this, on this experience, you have to keep going. You cannot freeze and 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 stop stop participating in the world. And I think one of the things that's a, a challenge is how do we talk to children about this? Mm-hmm. Not make them scared, mm-hmm. not make them panic, but still raise citizens of the world who must care about other people. Yes. Uh, we had a rabbi speak this morning who has just returned from the border of Polish and Ukraine. And yes, it could be my twin brother. And he was so inspiring. And one of the things he said to the children was, to be a Jew is to care. To care about all people. It's true. To care about all the refugees, whether they're Jewish or not, and whether or not their great-grandparents did not wonderful things to our great-grandparents. It's, it's true. It is That is an ongoing conversation in my house, both about the Ukraine-Russia conflict and about the other things. I mean, there are lots and lots of other conflicts happening in our world. Um, and so it's this has been sort of an ongoing conversation in my household is that like we can hold space for both oppressors oppressing people and acknowledging that and also acknowledging the fact that like there is no perfect victim oh that's interesting because i, I want to go back to persia yes thank you i mean we have to be remembering i mean this was about three thousand years ago i know and and we are holding this hatred mm-hmm. and i think the only way that i'm able to navigate it is that rabbi soloveitchik talks about what we're hating here is the idea of Amalek mm-hmm. that personified perhaps also Nazis. Mm-hmm. And and we need to ask right now yes. what the Russians are doing to the Ukrainians. Yes. You know, what does it mean, you know, when it says that they were the Ata, you know, Asher Kochaba Derech Vaizanev Bha Kola Nehashalima Kharecha Vata Ayevyagea Veloyarelokim. You were at your most vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And, and what does it mean to bomb vulnerable people? What does it mean to attack vulnerable people? So we are asked every year, Shabbat before Purim, to remember what 
what do we do? How do we handle the bullies of the world? Mm-hmm. And again, bullies feeling like they're on the playground. But this is the playground of the world. This is the global playground. This is the global playground. That's yes. the word I was looking for. And and what is so we must hate and despise the idea of hatred. Yes. Of baseless hatred. Yes, yes. That has been an ongoing conversation. Sort of my own internal conversation of um, how do how do I navigate this moment as a person of the world? Um, how do I navigate this moment as an educator, as a parent, as um, as as a spouse of a grandchild of survivors? How do this is a complicated place to sort of be? Um, and and I say that acknowledging the extra complication of the person who is, you know, the grandchild of the survivors who is now being asked to be open-hearted about people who are the descendants of people who perpetuated baseless hatred. Yeah, and it's it's not an easy place to be. It, and yet, I'm going to bring us back to this poem. Yes. The line that is grabbing me that I want to think about is, mm-hmm. I took a chair outside and watched the sun. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's going on there? Um... As somebody who does this, okay, um, it is it's a meditative moment. I think it's a meditative moment. It is a way of being in the world, um, in in a sort of spectator position, right? Like I used to back in my pre current life days, would go and buy a cup of coffee and sit outside a coffee shop with my big black sunglasses on and just watch people walk by. Oh, well, people watching is great. People watching is a thing, but people watching is a meditative experience. It's less about commentary and more about being in the world with people in an observational way. Which I find, actually, is the best place to do that is an airport. Yes. I think airport has yes. the best people watching. My friend calls airports purgatory. It may be purgatory, but people are carrying. I think you, it's, you see people from all over the world. Yes. Which is very convenient. Yes. Okay, one location, but the world is walking past you. Yes. They're, and the things they're carrying, and the way they're talking to their children and their friends, and the way, yes, the way they're dressed. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. It's big people watching, but it I took is a chair. also. It, yeah. But it's also it's, it's participatory. You are there in the airport also. Well, this is true. It's an observant participant. Yes. Kind of like an ethnological experiment. It is. It very much is. Um, I I took a chair outside and watched the sun. I'm going to... I see something a little different here. What? There's also the... Maybe this is where you're going. The fact that you can safely take your chair outside. I think and that's a, watch the sun. Like I think there is a comment well, on that also. Right, I don't I think, think anyone in Kiev is taking their chair outside to watch the sun. No, I don't think God, so. I think unfortunately, I, take, I took a chair outside and watched the sun. I think one of the things, and you can tell me I'm insane. No, never. One of the things that I think about often is when I look at the sun or the moon. That's the same sun. Yep. That everyone is looking mm-hmm. at. We have one sun. Mm-hmm. We have, okay, please don't get into astronomical things with me. No, um, absolutely not. There's one not. sun and one moon for us. Yes. And when I look at that moon, and maybe I'm thinking of that song from Les Mis. Oh, the, gosh. On, what was the um, sun? Oh, my mind my, my just it, went blank. I think that makes me, maybe, you know, brought me there. That yes. We're looking at the same sun that people all over the world are looking at. It's mm-hmm. a unifier. We are all... People looking at the same sun, but mm-hmm. why the heck can't we all get along? 
Because we are deeply tribal. Uh, we are deeply invested in our belonging. We are deeply invested in being part of a thing. Whether or not that thing is a thing that brings good into the world. Belonging is powerful and not just belonging, but belonging and 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 sort of holding the fort line, right? Of like, you are outside. You do not belong. You go over there. You have your own tribe, air quotes. Um, those are powerful, powerful things. They are so deeply inscribed in they, our they being. They are. I, I, it, it's I, evolutionary. I, yes, I would argue that it is biological. We it are is. wired to belong. We are hardwired to belong. Hence, we love our football team. We love our neighborhood. Oh, we love yes. our street. We love our city. And those battles are played out on the football field in America. Yes. And unfortunately, we're watching them play out internationally. Yes. I remember during the Second Intifada, we were living in Israel, and someone presented us with an article to read, and I definitely read the article. Mm -hmm. I remember the title perfectly. Mm -hmm. If you love everyone, you love no one. What thinks ye of yes. that? Yes. Um, I think it is true. I think it is. We are hardwired to close ranks. Yeah, and, and this idea, and this is a great way of putting it, it's, we're deeply tribal. Yes. So on one fact, we uh, on one hand, we are the brotherhood of mankind. And Absolutely. I'm sorry I put that so male but it's the, You know, it's fine. Okay. I, knew, I knew you meant it the brother, beyond the patriarchy. Good, excellent, because I'm not, I'm not happy with the patriarchy right now. But oh, anyway, I mean, who is? I mean, honestly. But uh, <laughs> so the brotherhood of man, and you know, Martin Luther King spoke about that, the brotherhood of man, and yet the deeply tribalhood of man. Yes. And, and it's the trouble that's getting us into everything. And does it come from a place of scarcity? Because this yes. poem lands with money. Yep. And let's just be real about that. Mm -hmm. Because Ukraine has the resources that Russia wants. Yes. Russia and Ukraine and oil and our stuff and your stuff. And everybody knows that the big money yes. people are running this world. Yes, absolutely. In the street of money, in the city of money, in the country of money, our great country of money okay tell us about so forgive us if you look this poem up we lived happily during the war by Ilya kaminsky mm -hmm. there's one phrase that is in brackets or parentheses mm -hmm. and it's almost the way we talk we jewish talk you know yes. we jewish talk, yes uh, or we say Nahara, mm -hmm. or we say god forgive us so he says in the street of money in the street of money in the country of money our great country of money we forgive us lived happily during the war. Yes. Yes. This is a painful poem to read. This is this is a cuz I'm feeling guilty. I think as I as I would say to anyone, you have to sit with the both and. You have to sit with the pain of knowing that people are suffering. You have to sit with the guilt of the fact that we have Thank God, full refrigerators and and children happily in school. And even if our internet's a little sketchy. And even if our internet is a little Connection. sketchy, we have access to literally the world is at our fingertips still. I think it's okay to just sit with that feeling of guilt or sadness or fear or whatever that might be. You have to be comfortable with the both and. We lived happily during the war. Mm-hmm. 
and you know we can't get away from it. We're sitting in our comfortable living room dens, no, whatever rooms. No, we're very comfortable. And we're watching the news. Yes. And maybe we could say, which I think Brené Brown would not like if I would use an at least expression, which mm-hmm. she says is not empathetic. Yes. At least we're watching the news. There is that. At least we are tuning in. At least we are bearing witness. And I think bearing witness is is important in, on so many levels. And I think you and I have talked about this, the importance of bearing witness. Um, and one day we will talk about the project that you have tucked away in your vest <laughs> about bearing witness. Right. We, we want to bear witness. We want to bear witness. We want to acknowledge. We want to... Um, we want to feel heard, and therefore we want to make others feel heard. You know, one of the things that have popped up, because, you know, in the horror, there are also these moments that are simply so inspiring. Yes. And people post them on Facebook and Instagram. And I saw the video of a group of Jewish kids, Israeli kids, at the um, Ben Gurion Airport, mm, yes, greeting the rabbi from Kiev, yes, and singing Achenu Kopei mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sobbing, yes, just sobbing, yes, because that's what we have to do. Is you know, in, in these moments, see the light. There was yes. a lot of talk about the Shoah finding the light in the darkness, mm-hmm. and I remember a long time ago, I was listening to NPR, and they were doing a whole story of the fish that are in the deepest, deepest, deepest parts of the ocean Mm -hmm. that are luminous. Yes. And that the darker you go, the more luminous the fish. And in the darkest moments of the Shoah were some of the brightest lights. It's true. And I think that right now in this struggle, we're seeing the same thing. Yes. And, And I'm wondering, I took out a chair outside and watched the sun. Are we hinting to the idea that even in the middle of the horror, there is some bright? I think so. I think so. I think in the middle, and and that I also f- want to feel like I'm being told it's okay to acknowledge the the brightness, that it's okay to spend a moment watching the light, rather than focusing on all of the suffering that is surrounding us. Because if we don't do that, we're not going to survive. No, again, it's that frozen thing, right? Of like, if you don't, you will freeze and die. Yeah, and and we need to be functioning, and we need to be. We do. We have to you know, keep on doing keeping everything on. we can for their sake. Yes, and whether <clears throat> it's writing cards, writing letters to our representatives, gathering the funds so that there is help for refugees, we've got to do it all, mm-hmm. and it's the only way that we're going to be able to dig ourselves out. And and I would say we lived. I'm not going to say we lived happily during the war. I'm going to put an asterisk next to it. Yes. You know, we lived happily during the war, as happy as any of us could be, knowing that there is such sheer violence that continues in this world. Yes. Even as we read Parshat Amalek. It's true. It's true. We lived happily during the war. I think we just lived during the war. And to live and to keep living is the imperative. Yeah. Because we can't help them if we fall apart. It's true. And that's our collective political being. And let us hope and pray that things will get better and that the good people of the world will come to the rescue of those who are being victimized. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.